is Nitro Podcast, the show that rips up the buy rates and TV ratings and declares our own winner in some of pro wrestling's biggest head-to-head battles. I'm your host, Lee Carlos Cunningham, back after my lengthy hiatus, where I've travelled to the other side of the world to see my good friends Mark and Laura get married, catch up with Duncan for a nice dinner and some beers in Manchester, got a great indie show, uh, Pro Wrestling All-Star, in Belfast, where I got to see Paul London and Rich Swan, and got to go and see my love, my first love, Manchester City three times, including a brilliant win in the Manchester Derby. Since then, I've come home, been very, very jet-lagged as I had to go back to work the next day, and then gotten sick because all my family have come home from school, returning to school with illness, so that's a bit of a mouthful, but normal service is about to resume as we look at Raw and Nitro from May the 13th, 1996. Raw picked up a pretty handy victory in the ratings battle, this one 3.5 to a 2.3, but I did watch Nitro first, so we're going to head over there right away and see what WCW had to offer and see whether or not they were worthy of a closer score in these ratings. Come on with me, let's go and check out some WCW. starts off with Bischoff, Heenan and Mongo talking about whether or not Lex Luger is actually going to show up for his title match this time around. The storyline here being that he's skipped out or been late for the last two. And they actually show clips of a determined Lex Luger camping out the night before to make sure he's there for the title match, which I just found ridiculously funny. Um, Really got a good giggle out of me, that one did. From there, we go into our first matchup, which is the Steiners taking on Public Enemy. Uh, Public Enemy, sadly, are dropping down the totem pole because they're giving the jobber entrance here. And we're told by the commentators that the Macho Man Randy Savage has been fined $50,000 for his recent actions and been barred from the arena. Scott Steiner um, is getting really jacked here, and he's definitely on his way to becoming Big Papa Pump, and he shows his strength by press-slamming Rocco Rock onto Johnny Grunge. Rick Steiner comes in and hits a double clothesline before hitting a belly-to-belly for a two-count. Scott Steiner one-ups him with an overhead belly-to-belly, and then they brawl along the outside, as the public enemy love to do. Rocco Rock gets a knee lift and a slam. Rick Steiner crutches him, though, on the ropes and hits a suplex, and then Scott Steiner hits a -a tilt-a-whirl slam, um, which is just ridiculously impressive. Rocco Rock comes off the top with a headbutt and Johnny Grunge hits an elbow for a two count. Um, Mongo starts to talk up the possibility of something going on between he and Ric Flair on commentary, so he's being a little bit secretive about it, but he's acting as though he's got a plan to deal with Ric Flair, who of course has been spending the recent shows um, flirting with his wife Deborah in the crowd. We had a springboard somersault sent on by Rocco Rock, which is really cool. Only gets a two count, though. He then goes up top and attempts a swanton, but misses. This allows Scott Steiner to pick up the victory with the Frankensteiner, which is always impressive for the 1-2-3. A really good match, and towards the end of it, something that piqued my interest as well, is Bischoff tells us on commentary that in two weeks' time, Nitro is going to two hours, so... My ability to chew through these two quick one-hour shows and knock them out is going to be a little bit strained, but we will soldier on. We knew this was coming, and we just dread the day where they go to three. We have a commercial break here, and then we come back and we see Dave Taylor in singles action. 
according to my network stream anyway. So I'm wondering who it could be he's facing. Obviously, it's Dave Taylor up against Chris Benoit. Any of you with the network for any length of time know how that works by now. But the one thing I am truly pondering is, did Dave Taylor really go to Chris Benoit's house with a food platter? Look up the Chris Benoit conspiracy theories online and get in touch on Twitter at Rory's Nitro Pod. The match gets started with some good chain wrestling. Um, and then an enziguri by Benoit, a European uppercut by Taylor. A nice slingshot by Benoit as they brawl along the outside for a while. Dave Taylor comes back with an electric chair drop and an SOS for a two count. As Mongo leaves the commentary booth to go and talk to the Macho Man, apparently. As this is happening, Benoit hooks up a beautiful dragon suplex and picks up the 1-2-3, sending us out to our next commercial break. All right, we're at PCW Monday Night Raw. We are in Nashville, Tennessee. We are live, and with me at this time is the Macho Man, Randy Savage. He has been barred from the building. He is persona non grata here. And, Randy, I've followed you for your entire career, and in my opinion, the train's in town. In my opinion, you have lost it. What's the deal, man? Wait, wait a second here, just a second. Wait a minute, baby. If anybody in the WCW can sympathize with what you're going through, it's Mongo, baby. Ric Flair, you done made a mistake now, darling. It's all right going out and getting your publicity on my behalf out in the front of the whole world, but when you come back in the locker room messing with family, baby, you made it real now, darling, and I'm going to do something about it. Macho, just chill out, baby, because I've got a plan. All right, easy does it here. Just a second. Come on. Hey, you're not going to be allowed in there, Randy. Forget it. Yes, Doug Dillinger, please. I have business left here. Can we talk, as Joan Rivers would say? Randy Savage, I want to say it again. Come here, please. Don't walk away you from what? it. You have lost it. Lost what? Your mind. Let me tell you something. I'll tell you crazy. You ain't seen crazy. You ain't seen nuts. I'll talk to you in another lifetime, but not this one. I'm going to take the WCW and turn it upside down. You got it. Well, it's late. As of late, upside down a little bit. But uh, Randy Savage uh, finds the Magic Johnson to Dennis Rodman. Those pale yours by comparison. I don't care about the money. I don't care about the money. Do you understand that? Who said that? I don't care about the money. I'll reiterate that. You understand that? Don't tell me where I'm going because you don't know where I've been. Randy Savage. You don't know where I've been. You are going to have to coexist this Sunday. I was there when the gals drew the names of you and the nature boy, Ric Flair, as a team in the Lethal Lottery. If you want to get the Battle Bowl, you're going to have to make it happen with this man. Wait a minute. I don't have a problem with that at all. I don't mind. Dragging a dead tag team oh, partner Sammy, to the ring. You are out of luck. Because I'll win the lethal lottery and I'll do everything I gotta do to get where I gotta get. You understand that? I, I don't know if I understand uh, or not. Please, Randy. I saw a woman psychiatrist, yeah. And she said I was an OCD one cool dude. You understand that? Let me have to. All right, I should point out that WCW officials have told this man to seek behavioral help, whether it's a psychiatrist or some kind of counseling, I don't believe he has done it. Stay tuned. We are live in Asheville, Tennessee, and there is more WCW Monday Nitro coming up after this. Don't go away. So as you can hear, all sorts of craziness going on with Mongo and the Macho Man, and they're really playing up this Macho Man and Ric Flair teaming on the Lethal Lottery. It's a concept I've never really enjoyed. Um, I like my wrestling to have a feel of... 
genuine spontaneity and randomness to it. I always hate when tag team partners always come out back to back in the Royal Rumble. I hate Lethal Lottery because it's always team tag team partners against each other or bitter enemies teamed up. Like there's no randomness to it. I'd like to see Ric Flair sort of accidentally draw out um, Road Warrior Hawk, but then have you know someone like. Um, William Regal and the Giant up against him or something like that, where it is actually completely random. Not, oh, look, we've drawn Scott Steiner against Rick Steiner and Macho Man with Ric Flair. Like, I just, it's not for me. But the actual promo work here by Macho is really good, and I'm interested on this little twist and where this thing with Mongo goes. So let's stay tuned and see how that one pans out. From there, we go to a very cool commercial for the soon-to-debut Glacier, and most of us know how that one pans out, but I'm still enjoying watching this since it's actually the first time I've seen these vignettes, and I'm really digging them. I love the whole Mortal Kombat vibe to it. As a um, 90s gamer, I definitely get a little bit of a um, nerd kick out of this. Something I don't get a nerd kick out of, though, is our next matchup. And who thought this was a good idea for TV? Nature Boy Ric Flair taking on VK Wall Street. Who do you cheer in this? Flair is the biggest heel you've got in your company right now. And VK Wall Street is IRS in a tight singlet with gold glitter on the back. Come on. Give me someone to care about. Oh, just terrible. But, anywho, this is what it's going to be. Um... Mongo also, by the way, here comes back to the commentary booth and calls himself the dirtiest broadcaster in the game. And Bobby Heenan says, I agree, which really cracks me up. Really good line. And um, the worst thing about this match, as I float backwards and forwards here, I'm still a little bit recovering from the flu. So if I'm in and out and not making sense, I do apologize. But the worst part about all this is the fact that because he's now VK Wall Street, I don't get my tax cheat promo from IRS. That was the best part of his shtick. Everybody else hated him, and I just loved his tax cheat promos. Oh, gets me every time in the fields. The match gets started with some chain wrestling and some chops from Flair, some chops from Wall Street and a hip toss and a backdrop, and um, Ric Flair begs off from the wannabe former IRS. So there you go. I've seen it all. Um, I've honestly... Can't believe Ric Flair would beg off for an IRS this bad without a divorce being involved, but that's just me. We go to a commercial break mid-match, and when we come back, Flair takes his signature corner bump. They brawl along the outside, and Wall Street hits another backdrop, followed by a Samoan drop for a two-count, and a sunset flip for a two-count. He then clotheslines Ric Flair out of the ring. Uh, he runs and attempts a flying knee on the outside, which is something you can never see ending well. Flair, of course, moves, and Wall Street goes knee first into the post. Flair wraps his leg around the post one time and then puts him in the figure four. And we see as Flair turns over, he has got a really horrible lump on his back. Very, very reminiscent of the dusty splotch that was on his stomach. Flair's got a big, nasty welt on his back. I digress, however, the figure four was, of course, enough to pick up the victory. If that match went any other way, you'd have to question the sanity of everyone involved in booking WCW. At least Flair gets the win. Then he heads over to a his recent fixture of the fancy dining table with Liz and Woman and cuts a promo with Mean Gene. Thank you very much, Eric. Uh, very exciting contest. I don't think, Ric Flair, you have endeared yourself to the good people of Nashville, Tennessee, but then you haven't been doing a whole lot of that lately. They've not thought much of a nature boy since I made Dolly Parton ride Space Mountain one night. Let's, let's talk about comments that I received earlier 
from the Macho Man Randy Savage, the man who this Sunday at Slamboree is going to be your partner, is unglued. Did I hear the Macho Man say he would drag a dead man to the ring? That's exactly what well, he said. Genius. <laughs> oh, please, Blair. <laughs> I get the message. Does the nature boy look like he's dead to you? <laughs> Macho! Slavery! I'm gonna wear a new tuxedo. The girls are gonna be dressed to kill. And we're gonna knock WCW out its ass, brother. Woo! You know, you have been eyeballing a lot of the ladies uh, lately. As a matter of fact, Woo! you have taken visual liberties by a young lady by the name of Deborah Mitchell. Oh! You're gonna bring up that football player that dares to be a defensive lineman talking to Joe Namath. Brother, that's the difference. While you rolled in the dirt to become a four-time All-Pro, I got my fingernails manicured. I stayed up all night. I threw touchdown pass. Woo! After touchdown pass. And brother, look at my wide receivers. Woo! Yes, uh, thank you very much, ladies. I wouldn't touch that with a 10-foot break. More Nitro coming up after this here on TNT. Your typical good stuff by Flair there on the microphone, uh, taking your shots at Macho and at Mongo at the same time. Um, though I did have to say my favourite moment of that was watching Mean Gene's nose grow as he called VK Wall Street and Ric Flair a very exciting contest. So there was definitely that involved there as well. From here, it's time for our main event. It's a giant defending his WCW World Heavyweight title up against what we believe is going to be Lex Luger, but we have been fooled before. Lex does, however, come out for the match this time and seems pretty keen. He bounces off with a couple of shoulder tackles, which the Giant doesn't sell. The Giant then hits him with a big clothesline. Lex Luger tries to slam in the typical Hulk Hogan idiot early match maneuver, but gets tossed out of the ring. He comes back in and hits a pair of clotheslines for a two count. Um, he then, Gi Giant slams him into the buckles. Lex comes off, though, with a forearm, which the Giant no-sells, and then Eric Bischoff mentions how that was the same forearm that knocked out Yokozuna, so that definitely perked my ears a little bit as well. Ric Flair and the girls are eating at their five-star dinner table at ringside, and the Giant comes out with Lex Luger in hand and clears off Flair's table and choke slams Lex straight through the table to the arena floor. Awesome, awesome spot that was. Um, Jimmy Hart then tries to stop the Giant from going after um, Luger some more. Sting comes out to help Lex, and then the EMTs come out, um, really selling the injury angle off this choke slam. Um, really, really cool stuff. Gene comes out to try and get an interview, and Sting, for once, actually does a smart thing and just tells him, not right now, this is not the time. And the commentators then sign us off and head in with the hard sell to Slamboree. So... Really, really cool. Um, digged the ending to this show. Um, you certainly wouldn't get an injury angle out of one chokeslam through a table these days, but because table spots were not so commonplace back then, this actually really looked and felt legit. So bravo to WCW for booking a really awesome ending and keeping this little angle twisting and turning so we don't know exactly where it's going to fall just yet. That'll do it for WCW Nitro, so it's the halfway point of the show. It's time to take a trip down memorabilia lane. Peace God. Peace God, now the shit is explained. I'm taking niggas on a trip straight through memory lane. It's like that, y'all. It's like that, y'all. It's like that, y'all. Let me take a trip down memory lane. 
also the weird piece of memorabilia I'm going to chat to you all about today is actually a Chris Jericho Y2J yo-yo. It wasn't actually mine, but it belonged to my younger brother. Um, this was something he picked up in a um, one of those little um, kids machines where you put a coin in and out comes some sweets or a little toy, like normally a bouncy ball or something like that. Anyway, there was one with yo-yos at the local shopping center back in oh, probably about 2000 and he got this yo-yo out of there. And for whatever reason, one day down the line, he and I were having a fight and I took the yo-yo and I threw it against the hard tile floor, cracked it and broke it. <laughs> this makes me sound like a complete prick, but the reason why I tell this story is because some, God, 15, 20 years later, he still hasn't forgiven me and brings this up every couple of months. So it's something I thought definitely fits into the quirkiness of memorabilia lane so my brother's y2j yo yo rest in peace um he enjoyed it for a little while and then i snatched it away from him like the bully big brother i was at the time (laughs) that will do it for this segment today um i'm looking forward to coming up with all the weirdest and most wonderful outrageous pieces of wrestling merchandise i've held over the years and bringing them to you bit by bit if anybody else has a suggestion for this or has something they want to put on the show feel free to tweet me or or even record a brief audio clip of it, and I will insert that into this segment right here. But for now, let's head over to Monday Night Raw and see if they can top Nitro's efforts. It's time! It's time! It's Vader! As a usual commentary team of Jerry the King Lawler and Vince McMahon, and we get started off with Skip taking on Ahmed Johnson. Um, and right off the bat, Lawler just has me going, Holy shit! As he says, Sonny's not coming out with Skip. I just worry that she's, um, sorry, he says, Don't worry, she is here. I just hope that Shawn Michaels doesn't have her cornered in the back somewhere. Fuck, that has to be a shoot comment. There's no way in the world Lawler can be, by coincidence, talking about Sean getting it off with Sonny while Skip's in the ring. That is just brutal. JR's backstage and he interviews um, Ahmed Johnson, who has gives a very brief interview before heading out for the match. We start with some chain wrestling and then a couple of clotheslines from Ahmed before Sonny does come out. Skip and Zip pull some twin magic and we get a camel clutch on Ahmed, but he powers that into an electric chair drop. Backdrops um, Zip out this time and they once again attempt the twin magic, but they're caught by the referee. Ahmed then hits a spine buster and a Pearl River plunge on one of them, I'm not entirely sure which it was, and picks up the 1-2-3 to end this basically two-on-one squash match. From there, we go to a rather unusual advertisement, which you don't see too often in wrestling, and I'm going to play that for you now because I loved it. And you know, any academic institution can help you fulfill prerequisites, obtain a degree, but how many can prepare you to fulfill a dream? At Warrior University, you and me together can do just that. The testimonial on my life says that you, yes you, have the same exact chance of achieving your dreams as I did. If you really believe it, if you have the deep felt desire to discipline yourself to make the true sacrifices, 
the door to Warrior University could quite possibly lead into the dressing rooms of the WWF superstars. With my direction, the World Wrestling Federation seal of approval, and the curriculum at Warrior University, I believe you can turn your fantasy into an ultimate reality. Yes, that is indeed correct. On the same night we saw a Glacier advert on Nitro, we're seeing a Warrior University uh, advert on Raw. Wow. From there, we go to our next contest, which is Duke the Dumpster Drosy taking on the big man Vader. Jim Cornette joins the commentary team, and they have some fun at Vince's expense, while Vader has some fun beating the ever-loving piss out of the bin man. Hits him with some really stiff corner punches, um, a big clothesline, um, but Duke does come back and hits a cross body, which sends he and Vader to the outside as we go to a commercial break. When we come back, though, it's much more of the same. Vader with a big clothesline and a splash, a brutal short clothesline before locking on a chin lock briefly. Duke comes back with a drop kick but misses a splash off the top rope, and this allows Vader to hit a slam of his own and a Vader bomb for the 1 2 3 in what, what amounts to pretty much a squash victory. From there, The Undertaker and Paul Bearer come out with a casket. They cut a promo on the upcoming match with Goldust in your house. And then Goldust and Marlena come out and they hit on The Undertaker a bit and are very provocative and touching him up. Um, but then Mankind comes out from behind and sneaks a mandible claw on and Goldust straddles The Undertaker and rubs him up. Eventually, The Undertaker does sit up and Goldust bails as we go to a commercial. It's... Um, a little bit unnerving, this whole Undertaker stick while Goldust is touching him, but it is what it is. Um, certainly a new take on the mind games, and it's a new dimension for The Undertaker. When we come back from the commercial break, it's time for Aldo Montoya taking on Justin Hawk Bradshaw. Um, Aldo Montoya starts us with a drop kick, but Bradshaw comes back with a slam. Uncle Zebediah's on commentary, uh, talking up Bradshaw. Um, we get a nice gut wrench power bomb and a senton, followed by a bear hug by Bradshaw. He then hits a nice suplex before Aldo comes back with a drop kick times two and then attempts a missile drop kick but misses. Bradshaw nails him with a big boot and a clothesline from hell for the one, two, three. And then Zebedai gets in the ring and together they brand Aldo Montoya. Another squash match here, but it definitely put Bradshaw over as being pretty strong. We then get a nice video package about the recent trip to Kuwait, which is very touching, talking about all the lives they've touched and all the people they've helped along the way. But it yanks you right out of that reality pretty quickly when towards the end of the video, we see Davey Boy Smith trying to drown Shawn Michaels on a beach. So, you know, I'm not quite sure what they were going for there, but it was certainly jarring. Um, from there, we come back. It's time for our main event, and it's Degeneration X exploding. Triple H taking on Shawn Michaels. And I just had to wonder when I saw this match um, from this time period whether or not Stephanie was swooning for Hunter as badly as Vince swoons for Sean at ringside. We then get a really, really Vince McMahon piece of commentary here where he says, unquestionably, unquestionably the most athletic champion, perhaps of all time. Well, Vince, I'm not sure if it can be unquestionable and then put the word perhaps in there at the same time. It's just an unnecessarily wordy sentence, but that's Vince, isn't it? Triple H gets the best of the early chain wrestling, showing himself up to be the superior technical wrestler as we go to the first commercial of the match. When we come back, we get a quick exchange, um, but Sean just can't seem to get the better of Hunter. He's definitely making him look good here in the early goings. They brawl along the outside, and Sean skins the cat, 
And then Sean goes into what I can only describe as some nose-based offense, making fun of the large nose of Triple H. Uh, This goes on for a little while. Triple H comes back with a baseball slide, and Mr. Perfect comes out to the aisle way to watch as we go to another commercial break. When we come back, Triple H has got Sean in the corner, hitting him with some punches, then hits him with a high knee for a two count and a European uppercut for a two count. Shawn Michaels comes back with a backslide for a two, but Triple H goes back into the offense, beating him down in the corner and then hitting a neck break, neck breaker for a two count. We're going to get another commercial break, which is really interrupting the flow of the match somewhat, and Shawn Michaels reverses the pedigree into a slingshot, that classic old counter, and hits his forearm and kip-up combination. He goes up top and drills an elbow for a two count, but Triple H comes back with an eye poke. We then get a backdrop, uh, Shawn Michaels backdrops Triple H out of the pedigree, so another classic reversal there, and hits Sweet Chin Music for a one, two, three, in what was a pretty decent contest all in all. Um, could have done without three commercial breaks and maybe having the pace pick up a little bit quicker and a little bit less comedy, but the match itself was actually quite good for a Raw main event. The show finishes with JR interviewing um, Jim Cornette, the British Bulldog, and Diana, who cut a fairly decent promo on Shawn Michaels and their opponent for next week, Jake the Snake Roberts. So that's a wrap for Raw. Should we go down and have a look and see whether or not they put up a strong enough showing to earn their ratings win, or if we think Nitro was the better show on the night? First category we're going to decide on today is production value, and I'm actually going to go with WCW for once here. Because of the endings to the show, um, nothing wrong with Raw ending with that little promo, but I thought the cliffhanger ending and the way they edited it out of there and made it seem real just added that little bit extra to the production for Nitro, so this week they're going to pick up the win in that category. Crowd Heat, I'm once again going to go with WCW, mainly, mostly or mainly, I'll definitely pick one of those two words here, mainly because they had stars in most of their matches, so the crowd had a little bit something more to sink their teeth into. Having just squash matches on Raw, with the exception of the main event, meant that there wasn't really any need for the crowd to get too involved, and that definitely showed. From there, we're going to have a look at storylines, and I've got to say... WCW definitely advanced their storylines better. You had the whole situation with Macho and Flair. Mongo getting involved is adding another layer to that one. And also the the ongoing saga with Lex Luger, Sting, and the Giants. So definitely had most of their main players, with the exception of Hogan, involved in this one and kept the stories moving nicely. As for characters, it's much the same thing. WCW had more stars on the show than the WWF did and had them in higher profile matches. So they picked up the win there for me as well. And that just takes us to our last category, which is the match quality. And it's a very, very narrow one, but I've got to give it to WCW. Um, they de- they had the Steiners throwing Public Enemy about, which was awesome. Benoit and Dave Taylor was quite decent, albeit short. Um, Wall Street and Flair was okay, but, you know, not re- a real big fan of the heel and boring heel combo. The Giant and Lex Luger just had one spot, really, but it was decent. On the WWF side of things, the squashes were all good and made their guys look good, but there was no real standout match that was enough to tip them over the edge. Triple H and Shawn Michaels was a good match, and I definitely enjoyed it, but it wasn't enough to make up for a Bradshaw, Ahmed Johnson, and Vader squash, as opposed to the matches I listed on Nitro. So, for my money, Nitro took the clean sweep here. They may have been beaten beaten handily in the ratings, but you can see how they managed to turn it around, putting quality wrestling and big names on TV. 
That will do it for me today. It's good to be back at it. I'm going to be back into the thicker things very soon and I'll be in touch with all my podcast friends to get our episodes up and running again. I'll be watching some more wrestling very soon and getting this all sorted. Um, definitely get in touch with the show and chat. I'm always looking for new things to add on and feedback. Um, seems to be the download count is going up very, very nicely, but I don't often get a lot of interaction with people on how they feel about the show. So if you are listening, do please get in touch. It's always nice to know that... Um, there's real people out there listening with feedback and suggestions and I do take it all on board. Um, catch up with us on Twitter and all the podcast friends are on there as well. And I will speak to you all again very, very soon. I wake up every day is a daydream Everything in my life ain't what it seems I wake up just to go back to sleep I act real shallow but I'm in too deep And all I care about is sex and violence A heavy baseline is my kind of silence Everybody says that I gotta get a grip But I let sanity give me the slip Some people think I'm bonkers But I just think I'm free And I'm just living my life There's nothing crazy about me Some people pay for thrills But I get mine for free Man, I'm just living my life There's nothing crazy about me Bonkers Some people think I'm bonkers, but I just think I'm free And I'm just living my life, there's nothing crazy about me Some people pay for thrills, but I get mine for free Man, I'm just living my life, there's nothing crazy about me Ooh, Yeah, man, in the floor now no, Back then, back then, back then I wake up every day is a daydream Everything in my life ain't what it seems I wake up just to go back to sleep I act real shallow but I'm in too deep And all I care about is sex and violence A heavy baseline is my kind of silence Everybody says that I gotta get a grip But I let sanity give me the slip Some people think I'm bonkers But I just think I'm free Man, I'm just living my life There's nothing crazy about me some people pay for thrills, but I get mine for free. Man, I'm just living my life, there's nothing crazy about me. 